0: Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boket, and for reasons I'm still not clear on, I pretend to be a mayor and talk to exceptional human beings about their favourite musicals. Thank you so much for the incredible response to last week's debut episode with Anna-Jane Casey. This week, we have another incredible guest lined up. It's John Owen Jones. If if somehow you've never seen John perform, do yourself a favour, pause this podcast and go and watch some YouTube videos. Of course, he's the absolute master of Les Mis and Phantom, but also take some time to check out the clips from Great British Bake Off the Musical. Remember to head over to musicaltheatrereview.com for all the latest news, reviews and interviews on all things stage, backstage and worldwide. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and get the latest episodes sent straight to your podcasting app of choice. We have such a good lineup of guests this first season and I would hate for you to miss out. I also wanted to apologise for some of the audio quality in this episode. We had a few technical issues, but thank the lords of musical theatre for backup recordings. Now, sit back, relax, maybe cut yourself a nice slice of cake and enjoy this discussion between me, the Mayor of Musical Theatre, and the wonderful John Owen Jones.
1: I'd like to be the King of Musical Theatre. I think you need to reach higher. Don't be the Mayor, be the King.
0: Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake Mayor Ian Boquet. but I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. If you've ever been to see Les Mis or Phantom of the Opera, there's a good chance you've had your head blown clean off your shoulders by the stunning voice of this man in the lead role. The stage consider him one of the top ten musical theatre actors in Britain. You have to sit through this. BBC Radio Wales call him one of the greatest living Welsh voices. He has also produced seven solo albums, a wonderful podcast called The Last Show, Ch- on earth that you should absolutely download right after this one and is now about to start in great british bake off the musical john owen jones thank you so much for joining us
1: Well, thank you for reading out that lovely introduction I wrote for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: any time. So you're obviously very well known for playing big roles in these classic shows, but what's it like getting involved in a brand new musical like Bake Off?
1: Well, you know what? It's long been a dream of mine to be in something brand new in the West End. And I must admit, this was not the show I was expecting to do in that case. Um, But it's an interesting story how I got involved with it. Rachel Kavanagh, the director, She um, was doing a workshop of it, whilst I was doing a workshop of a different musical, uh, which was called In Dreams. It's the um, Roy Orbison-based musical, which I think is opening in the West Yorkshire Playhouse this year. It's a lovely piece, that, actually. It's really nice. And I bumped into her in the corridor, and we hadn't seen each other for 20 years. And I asked her what she was doing, and she said, oh, I'm doing Bake Off the Musical. I I was like, what? (laughs) Bake Off the Musical? That's that's insane. That's an insane idea. If you can make that work, I'll take my hat off to you. And she said, it's one of the best things I've ever done. And then I started seeing members of the cast and they were all saying that. And I said, oh, God, I can't wait to see this when it comes out. Forgot all about Mm -hmm. it. Then I get a call from my agent saying they'd love to see you for the part of Phil Hollinghurst. And I was like, really? Okay, send me the script. Sent the script. I laughed all the way through the script. It's one of the funniest things I've read for ages. I listened to the songs. I loved them immediately. I thought, right, I've got to audition for this. So I sent in a little tape for her, got the part, and um, I'm delighted to be part of the whole thing, you know? Compared to shows like uh, Lim is and Phantom, I suppose you could say this has got quite a small genesis. It's not, you know, it's not something that's staged in Andrew Lloyd Webber's back garden, as he does with a lot of his musicals, you know, when he tests them out. This was very much done in small rooms over five years, developed as a piece, because it was initially, I think, designed as, um, you know, can we do this? It was an idea where Mark Goucher, the producer who runs the Cheltenham Everyman Theatre, where we did the tryout last year, he had the idea initially and came to um, Jake Brunger and Pippa Cleary and approached them to write it, and they had to write a treatment for it. Because he saw the potential of 12 strangers getting together in a room and going on a journey together, uh, and you know, the highs and lows and all the human drama involved in that. He saw the potential in that story to make a good musical. Oh uh, boy, oh boy, does it make a good musical. But compared to shows like Glimis and Phantom, yeah, I suppose you could call this a light bit of fluff, but <laughs> it's, it's as challenging in so many ways. I'm sure we'll talk about that.
0: It's so great to hear that you had that reaction to it. When I heard about it, I thought that's right up my alley. I really want to sit down and see this. Yeah, Um, But obviously I've got friends who would think, How do you make a musical out of Bake Off? So it's great to know you started from that slightly sceptical point of view, but really when you're over.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, well, we're deep in rehearsals now and, you know, we're rehearsing in in South London and in the same rehearsal space, there's auditions going on for other shows. And they're usually like Shakespeare plays or things like that, you know, and at the moment there's a bunch of people auditioning for um, a Shakespeare play there and you know when you see them in in the green room if everyone's having a cup of tea they ask you what you're doing and they just look at you blankly you know they're like <laughs> what that sounds like the worst idea in the world, you know, and then you're like, well, Cats made a musical, you know, let's do a musical about the last days of Jesus Christ. You can turn anything into a musical, but it really works so well. And it's one of those shows that I think you have to see to believe. And I think it'll, I think we found that when we were in Cheltenham, you know, we knew we had something great, but we didn't know what the audience were going to be like. But on the first night, the reception was unbelievable, and then we knew we had something really special, and we wanted it to be seen by the biggest audience possible. And I think, even if I'm in it or not, I want people to see this show because it's a it's an enormous piece of fun escapism, and that's what the world needs right now. So you've been
0: you said it's been in development for quite a while. Has it changed much since Cheltenham?
1: Oh, uh, not not too much since Cheltenham, but in the five years. Previous to, you know, in the whole development process, there's been enormous changes. But I think, you know, because originally the the Paul Hollywood character, the Phil Hollinghurst character I play, was going to be his, I think his brother or his cousin. So they could um, you know, parody him in a way without it being him. But um I think they've found a better way through that now. But it has changed. Only slightly. I think for the better, since we did Cheltenham, because we have a bit more space, there's a bit more money, there's nice lighting, there's projections. There's all these little extra layers which would make it West End worthy. Mm. But, you know, it's the kind of show you could do in someone's living room and it would still work. It just works brilliantly as a piece. It doesn't need all the bells and whistles, um, even just at a read through. I mean, people are laughing and crying, you know, it just works really well as a piece of writing.
0: Have you had any feedback from any of the Bake Off producers or any of the cast, Stephen?
1: Oh, well, the Bake Off producers, Richard Maccarrow of Love Productions um, is one of the primary um, producers of the show, very okay. much involved. Um, in the first read-through we had in Cheltenham, he gave us some feedback and we had to change Uh, a huge plot line, for the better, I may may add, uh, that involved myself and um, Pam Lee, the prue Prue Leith character. And, um, you know, because he gave us constructive, positive feedback, because he knows those people so well. And we were very careful um, to to really take Paul and, and Prue's real characters and not you know, not be disrespectful about them because they're real people and we wanted it to be somewhere they could sit in a safe space and enjoy a reflection of themselves, you know, and we kind of heighten the more ridiculous aspect of what they do for a living. You know, it is a bit crazy. They get paid an enormous amount of money just to eat a cake, you know, that's crazy Um, but, um, you know Prue Leith came to see it but Paul Hollywood hasn't been, sadly because he was supposed to come in Cheltenham but he had Covid, so hopefully he'll come and see it but I have spoken to him a couple of times um, on Instagram not about the show, but about a few other things. And, you know, he seems like a lovely bloke. And Matt Lucas, who I know very well, of course, because I was in Limiz with him, uh, he was really supportive as well. Um, you know, he's left Big Off now, of course. But um, it was really nice having the feedback from the producers and Matt as well, asking him about, you know, his experience and learning about that. Because it, you've got to remember, these are real people we are dealing with. And it would be very unfair to, you know, rip the p- out of them for want of a better term. <laughs> term, because they don't deserve it, you know? And someone like Paul has been, you know, mauled at the hands of the press and paparazzi and stuff like that. And we're very careful to to treat him gently, but also, well, I, I'd like to think that it could be uh, my character or my take on his character is just, I could sit in a pub with Paul Hollywood and it could be like a friendly ribbing, you know, but we would get mm-hmm. on, I would hope. He might hate it. You never know. I'm <laughs> not
0: sure what his taste in music is. Um, I think on Desert Island he chose Pink Floyd and things, but...
1: Who knows? Maybe there's musical theatre love. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm an absolutely massive heavy metal fan. I love rock music, for, you know, the heaviest to the lightest. You know, I will listen to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, but I'll also listen to Slayer and, you know, Rammstein, a German techno metal band and things like that I'll, and everything in between. But it, it strikes me that he might be a kind of a rock fan, uh, mm. which pleases me greatly. But... I like all sorts of music, so why shouldn't Paul Hollywood? Absolutely, Do you know what I mean. Hopefully, uh, but that's the thing. Is this is a, again? It's another thing about the magic of this show in particular. Is that you don't have to like musicals. You don't have to know anything about musical theatre. It's so brilliantly constructed that you know my nephews who'd never seen Bake Off the TV show. They came to see it. One was nine, and one was five. No, ten and five. And they absolutely loved it. You could take your 90-year-old grandmother to see it, and she would absolutely love it. It really is a show for everyone.
0: I think the first time that I saw you perform live was in another baking show. It was in the Eno production of Sweeney Todd with Emma Thompson and Ben <laughs> Tarver, um, and it must have been so fun playing a part like Pirelli on that stage.
1: Oh, it was glorious, you know. And it was the second time I've done that role as well, so it was kind of like I didn't really have to work that hard in rehearsal. Because, um, you know, as you may remember, I'm sure you do, it was a concert version, which wasn't a concert version. It was very cleverly staged. But I originally played Pirelli opposite uh, Len Cariou, who was, I think, the first or second Sweeney on Broadway. We did a concert version in London, and I had the chance to play Pirelli opposite him. And I learned a lot from that man, and he was brilliant. And then to go on stage with Bryn, who's an old friend of mine anyway, and watch Bryn work, and Emma Thompson was brilliant, and, of course, um who is that old geezer who played Javert, the Australian guy, Philip Quast? There we are. Um, I don't know why I called him an old geezer. Then he'll hate me for it. But uh, uh, you know, just getting to work with people like that was uh, was an eye opener. But it's um, yeah, it's funny. Some of the some of the most enjoyable shows of my career have been involving baked goods. I mean, Limis, I stole a loaf of bread, yeah, of course. You know, in Sweeney Todd, I was put into a pie. And now in this, I, you know, show the entire cast and the audience how to stretch and slap strudel dough in a song called Slap It Like That. Wow. Which goes down an absolute storm, yeah.
0: Do you get actual real-life cake on stage? I imagine that'd be quite dangerous with eight shows a week.
1: Well, oh, yeah, well, that's the problem. In rehearsals, everybody was bringing in baked goods, but that's been banned this time. Nobody's allowed, uh, because we still have to fit into the costumes after two months, you know. So
0: thinking back to perhaps your childhood, perhaps your teenage years, when was it you got into musical theatre? What show really made you fall in love with musicals? Hmm.
1: Now, you see, going back to many, many years, one of the first shows I heard was Lim is, and I hated it. Okay. Um, I was in youth theatre, and the first show I did in youth theatre was West Side Story, which I absolutely loved. Um, and weirdly, I, I haven't even put that as an answer to any of the questions you're proposing today. Um, but I... I think what really made me fall in love with musicals was um, there wasn't one particular show. Um, In youth theatre, we did so many different styles and genres that I realised there was no way you could really get bored in the world of musicals, you know? We would do, like, Cabaret Nights of, like, Les Mis and Phantom and Cats and things like that. And then we would do a show, The Hired Man, or we would do uh, Pippin or things, and all these really different things. But what I really used to love, more than anything else, was the work of Sondheim. Whenever we got a chance to perform any of his stuff, anything by Sondheim was enough for me to get really excited because I saw the musical as um, an elevated art form when I looked at his work, you know. It was more than just tits and teeth. It was something very cerebral and interesting and exciting to not only perform but to watch. And I think that's what really got me into musicals more than anything else was the work of Steve I call him Steve there, yeah.
0: There is, of course, one big Sondheim musical with a lead part of a baker. Do you think that's yeah. in your future? Now you've got this baking career path?
1: Oh, yeah, I've thrown that out. I would love to do that. Into the Woods is like my favourite show, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that Terry Gilliam one that happened up in, um, what was it? Was it Bath? It was Bath, I, yeah. I got, yeah, it was Bath. I saw the last performance of that, and I loved it. In fact, I was sitting behind Terry Gilliam and all the producers and everything, and I got to meet them. And I did kind of drop it. So, look, you know, if if Rashan, who played the big, if he's not able to do town and, you know, I'm available, please, please throw me in the ring because I would love to be in that show. It's, yeah, it's one of the most powerful things he's done. I think it's so multi layered. But, um, yeah, that would be lovely. Let's throw that out into the universe. Yeah. So, when you were growing up, um, did your family like musicals? Were they um, encouraging you to get more into theatre? No, not at all. My parents didn't own any records. Um, my sister was the first person in my family, apart from my, my grandfather, had like an old stereogram, and he had like choirs and, and you know things like the songs of Richard Tauber and things like that, which I would hear in the background. Didn't really pay attention to. Um, I, I would just listen to the radio. But my sister got a record player for Christmas once, and the first album she got was *Grease* the Morsen picture. which was played to death, you know. And then, you know, Greece has remained one of my favourite musicals and musical films. Not my absolute favourite, but um, but in my house, it wasn't really a musical house. And even though um, my sister was in a choir, my brother was in a choir, but I was never in a choir, um, it turns out that my great-grandfather and... Um, a few of his um, descendants all won Eisteddfod, this big like Welsh singing co- competition, and arts competition that travels around Wales And Eisteddfod. And they all were winners and medal winners and stuff. And my dad was tone deaf. He he had not a musical bone in his body, and my mother wasn't really into it either. So, so to find that, my brother and my sister and I all really liked music and listening to radio and stuff, but there was never really any push to go into that. You know, it was always about the family business of butchery and we were all going to go into that side of things. So at one point, I was going to be a butcher. Another point, I was going to be a meat inspector or health inspector. Uh, And then another time I was going to be a doctor. But then when I realised I could just pretend to be those people for a lot more money, (laughs) I decided to become an actor.
0: And you can just do it for a short period of time, move on to something else interesting.
1: Yes, and of course, as an actor, you're not responsible for the health and welfare of any of your actual patients. They're they're also actors too, you know, so it always uh, used to worry me that, you know, doctors might be ultimately responsible for people dying, and I did not want that on my shoulders.
0: No, no actor should have to worry about the real world. (laughs)
1: No, no, absolutely not.
0: Uh, Which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often?
1: Ah, well, I mean, the obvious answer to that is Bake Off, because... um, you know, whenever I'm working on anything, I it's always going around my head. Um, mm. I mean, once when you did a show, when I did a show like Phantom or Limbs for a long time, I stopped hearing the music. You know, all the time. But I remember mm. a while back, I did a show called Unmasked, um, a concert version of of Lloyd Webber's stuff, and he was developing like a, his own concert where he was going to like, you know, he'd written some music and everything for it. And my God, that man's songs are so catchy. It's unbearable. You know, there'd be, you know, songs from Evita or Aspects of Love or Superstar or Joseph or Starlight. And you'd be going home on the train with different songs going through your head all the time. But currently, Bake Off is the one. Um, we were doing some filming in the studio yesterday when we we were um, did a bit of um, rehearsal and they filmed it for Archive and stuff. And these kind of big burly guys with the cameras, you know, they were all just whistling the tunes as they walked out you know so it gets under your skin and I suppose Bake is I mean it has got a surprisingly brilliant score it's got much more layers and depth than you might expect and every single note and every single lyric is very carefully thought about none of this is done on the sh- you know on the hoof it's it's, it's very very well constructed so, yeah
0: it's good to hear that it's getting stuck in your head you're doing it every day and it's still not annoying you you're still appreciating the music that's a really good sign
1: yeah, I know. But I think that's, that's part of it is because A, the writing's very good, but B, uh, it's just it's just a lovely piece. It's just so joyful to be in that room. And that rubs off on you, you know? Um, it's a wonderful space to be. It's a very safe space to rehearse with, you know, the team that they've put together. The actors in the room are all brilliant. Everyone knows what they're there for. They all understand the piece and... Yeah. Uh, yeah it's the, the the joy of being in that room rubs off and I I don't mind singing the songs though I must say that when I leave the room I try to clean my brain of musicals by listening to some extreme heavy metal on the walk to the tube station so yeah but it's still even then when I when I get home I'm still like you know the songs of Pippa Cleary are going through my head it's very irritating actually
0: oh well
1: it'll be it'll be open soon in the West End of course and um, it's an official day yeah. for it Uh, I think it's on the 22nd or 20... mm, Could be the 20th of February. So not long to go. So yeah, so people will be able to come and watch and judge for themselves.
0: You'll be joining some esteemed company in the West End. Are there any shows currently on at the moment that you've seen recently and you you really like? What's your favourite current show on the West End?
1: Oh... Do you know what? I, I don't tend to go to the theatre. Um, what was the last thing I saw? God. Well, I like to go to see different kinds of things. Um, because firstly, going to the theatre is extremely expensive. Let's not yes. be in any doubt about that. Almost to the point of you know embarrassment. Um, some shows, you know, £180 a ticket. I really want to go and see Back to the Future. I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to see that yet. The last thing I saw actually was the play 222 A Ghost Story. Oh, Have You wow. seen that? I
0: haven't seen that. I've heard really good things. Yeah, yeah it's
1: it's all right. Oh, fair it's enough. all right. <laughs> fair uh, yeah, it's um the guy who wrote it, Danny Robbins. Um, he does a podcast all about ghosts and stuff, which is very entertaining. Called uh Haunt, haunted, no, uncanny. And um, and he's written this play, and there were some lovely performances. And but it's uh, it's not really my cup of tea. I should have gone see Back to the Future, but never mind. It was Halloween. What else was I going to do? You know. Um, But I think you know the one show I'd come back to again and again. Really, as Lim is, I could sit through that forever. I love it. Absolutely love it.
0: Absolutely. The amount of times I find myself walking down the street listening to Lim is, and then think it's just on, just around the corner. I could just buy a cheap seat and sit there in the theater and hear it live. And how privileged we are to be able to have that.
1: Yes, and, and long may it continue. You never know, though. I mean, it's been running for I think thirty-seven years now, oh, which is incredible, isn't it? When you think about it, thirty-seven mm. years. you know, it, it surely can't go on that much longer. But you know, Cameron Mackintosh has a brilliantly clever way of reinventing things and, and and creating new audiences for for that kind of work. But um, but the music speaks for itself. I'm very lucky to call Alan and Claude Michel friends, and you know, and I recently worked with them. In Australia, I was down in Sydney Opera House and in the Melbourne Hymn Hall with Michael Ball and a bunch of other people singing the songs of Bublin and Schoenberg. And it's just, oh, they've got some great tunes. They really have. It's just a privilege to sing it, you know.
0: So this is the lovely John Owen Jones. I just wanted to pop up in the middle here to say that as well as booking tickets for Bake Off the Musical, there's another exciting opportunity to see John perform coming up this May at the Crazy Cox in London. We recorded a little extra chat after the podcast and I thought we should include this bit too.
1: Well, talking of the crazy cocks, I'm doing um, a gig there in May. I'm doing two shows back to back, the Jono and birthday bash. Uh, I had to sadly cancel a show there Christmas time because I got a chest infection. But it's it's in my night off from Bake Off. I'm doing two shows. I'll have some friends there. There'll be cake which is fitting considering the show I'm doing now (laughs) and it's my birthday. So, yeah, so um, that's the next piece of theatre I'll be doing uh, during Bake Off.
0: So head on over to the Crazy Cox website and book yourself some tickets. Now, back to pretending to be a mayor.
1: Which musical would you say has made you laugh the most over the years? Again, it's a a boring answer, but I'm going to have to say Bake Off. I have had, uh, it is so funny. And we've got one of the actors in it, Scott Page, is one of the funniest people I think I've ever seen perform. He's a lovely, warm, generous, lovely human being. Mm. But my God, his comic timing, they gave him a gag. Like, can you try this Uh, in rehearsals yesterday? And, you know, it's a visual gag. And he did it like 15 times in a row. And it was funny every time. And when you've got actors of that quality performing, you know, good comedy, it's just a joy. I mean, there are so many moments which make me laugh out loud. Do you find you're learning more about performing comedy in this? Because obviously
0: things like Phantom and Lame is not the most funny shows.
1: Well, no, yeah, they're not funny at all, actually, are they? Um, but hmm, now see, I I'm I like to think I'm quite a funny guy. I love making people laugh, right? But the skill of performing comedy is something that is not easy because you what you can't have when you're performing a script and it has to be funny, the timing has to be so precise and so exact that there's no room for improvisation most of the time. You have to be absolutely bang on the money with the timing for the other actors and the audience and everyone. Otherwise, it just falls flat, you know. And there's not many worse feelings than a gag that you know works falling flat uh, but there's no better feeling than a gag that, you know, works, you know, that takes a roof off. And I have learned a lot and I'm continuing to learn. But when I do concerts and stuff, you know, I mean, I, I, I put like comedy into the concerts, you know, but I only have to rely on me. There's nobody else there. So, you know, working with Hayden, who's very good at comic timing, you know, I'm learning a lot of her now, you know, and, and, and picking up little tips and cues on how to do it. Um, because as an actor, you have to watch other actors and you have to steal You have to see how they do it, because actors, we're quite a a private bunch, really. We won't really give our secrets away. Um, Some actors might be a bit open and say, oh, try it like this, darling. No, no, no. I'm not that kind of actor, but I like to nick. Oh, I can see what works. I'm nicking that. I'll try that myself. It might take me a while to get there, but that's what I tend to do with it anyway. Yeah.
0: What is your favourite movie musical?
1: Ah, well, we could say Greece. Greece is really, really good. But when I was growing up, one of the—I suppose—one of my old, my gateways into musicals, without realising it, was was watching Gene Kelly films with my my nana and grandpa. When you know, on a Saturday afternoon or a rainy Sunday, or we would watch things like you know Oklahoma and things like that. Um, but Gene Kelly. If he was in anything, I would sit and watch it. He was absolutely magnificent.
0: That's, I mean, that could be considered quite a surprising thing. You say you're quite into heavy metal and things, you clearly have more modern taste, but you really hark back to the old classic
1: movies. Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Singing in the Rain, American in Paris, they're just they're just of an era, aren't they? That classic Hollywood era. And, you know, growing up, you know, you, you don't know what's good. You don't know what's bad. You have no taste developed. You just... Often, like, you know, like my brother was a huge Liverpool football fan and I don't really care about the football. Well, I enjoy it, but but I always keep one eye out on what Liverpool are doing because it's rubbed off on me. His love for Liverpool rubbed off on me. And I suppose it's like, you know, my grandparents used to love those old films and would watch them and I loved my grandparents, so I watched them, you know, and then I kind of got to know about that. And then I forgot all about that. Then I got a record player myself. Then I started listening to heavy music. Loved that and then came back to musicals. So I suppose it's quite a circuitous route, but yeah.
0: Which musical might people be most surprised to learn that you love? Could be something at odds with your personality or a guilty pleasure, something like that?
1: Well, um, you know, people are more surprised to hear that I've seen Mamma Mia about six times. Um, and I've, I, it, I just love it. It's like I mean, you can't really go wrong with the music of Abba, right? But, you know, currently Donna is played by my very good friend, Mars Murray. And I saw her do it um, last year. No, just before the pandemic. Oh, God, I've completely forgotten what year it is. (laughs) Um, And I was just as enraptured with the show. And I was so, it's such an enjoyable bit of escapism. And it knows what it is. And I enjoyed the show with her in it as much as I did the first time I saw it. So I'd, I'd probably say Mamma Mia. People don't expect me to like the music of ABBA because, you know, if you were to walk past my dressing room of a night if I'm in a show, there's usually Metallica or Iron Maiden playing, you know. But, you know, I'll, I'll happily sit down and watch a musical featuring the songs of ABBA. In fact, I'm really looking forward to seeing that, what's it called, Voyage? Is it that? that, that yeah, um, the hologram thing. Avatar thing of them. The kind of, Yeah, yeah. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But um, hopefully, once I've earned a bit of money in Bake Off, I'll have enough to buy a ticket. Because it's, again, very expensive. Yeah.
0: Yeah, as is most of the West End at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, crazy. Yeah.
0: So, on the other hand, which musical do other people really love that maybe you don't quite connect with for whatever reason?
1: Oh, you know, a lot of people are going to turn off when I say these, because there's two. Uh the the first is Wicked. Okay. I cannot stand that show. I mean there's some great tunes in it, but it's not aimed at me. It's aimed really at teenage girls and you know people going through crises of confidence and they, you know, they, I suppose they emphasize with um emphasize, empathize with Alphabet and what she's going through. But it just drags on. I find that chorus is horrifically underwritten. Um I, and you know, I love I love a lot of um, uh, Stephen Schwartz's music, but I just don't like that show. It just doesn't hit anything in me at all. Um, Well, you
0: have you have actually covered um, For Good. Yes, I have.
1: Yeah, there's some as I said, there's some great tins in it. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I'm working on a um, I'm going to guest on a Stephen Schwartz uh, compilation album at some point that coming up this year through Westway Music. Keep an eye out for that um singing a song i think from children of eden it's not being confirmed but i think that's going to have another great score but again a show i never saw but problematic um and the other show i don't understand mm-hmm. uh, now maybe it's because i'm a 51 year old white man is hamilton now i was i've never seen it right first i should say that i started okay. watching the the disney plus filmed production Got about ten minutes into it, so oh, God, this is, I can't bear this. I, now maybe that it needs to be seen live. I can't say anything, but it doesn't float my boat at all. Now I totally understand why people love it. I mean, you know, there are people out there who love Moulin Rouge. Again, I don't think I'm going to like that. I like a lot of the tunes, but I like, I like, I just like the old fashioned kind of nice tunes, easy to understand lyrics, good plot. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton for me, I mean, I was in a theatre, I was in, uh, what was it, was it the Imperial Theatre, I think we were doing Les Misons. Uh, next door to Hamilton, which was in the Richard Rodgers, because they're connected, right, so the stage doors okay. are literally right next to each other, and you would come out at night, and it was the, the original cast, and you would come out of the stage door at night. And there'd be a massive cheer. And then you'd look around and, oh, they're cheering the people coming out at Hamilton. And it was really one of those kind of like cultural phenomenons at, at the time, you know. Uh, and, in a, in a way, a lot of people, like when Harry Potter was a big thing, mm. a lot of people I know didn't want to read it because, oh, everyone's reading it. And I felt a bit like that about Hamilton. It's probably my to my detriment, but I just, I've tried, but I don't know. Maybe I just need to see it live. Well, you said you quite enjoyed,
0: um, Tick Tick Boom, if not necessarily the piece, the movie version, which yeah. Manuel Miranda directed. Have yes. you seen any of Lynn's other work, um, like In the Heights, Incanto, no. Moana?
1: Uh, no, well, my kids are grown up, so I'm not watching any Disney movies ever again. I don't need to. <laughs> um, I mean, God knows, I must have watched The Lion King about 500 times when my daughter was small, um, and then I took her to see the show, and she didn't remember any of it. Oh, come on, no. I sat through this 500 times, and you cannot remember the Circle of Life. Um, but I've heard, you know, Encanto's good and Moana's good, but. I've got other things I could be watching. and it's terribly snobby of me as an older man, but um, I haven't seen Into the Heights, In the Heights, sorry. In the Heights. In the Heights is called, isn't it? Yeah, but I will. I want to see that. I just haven't got round to it yet. But Tick, Tick, Boom was something that my kids wanted to watch. They were interested, and they liked Andrew Garfield, so and he was brilliant in it, and there was great moments in it. And I thought some of Lin-Manuel's directing, in fact, I think his directing was one of the best things about it. But it's everyone's got different tastes, haven't they? You know, people are gonna come and watch Bake Off and absolutely hate it. So you can't, everyone has different tastes.
0: And that's a great thing. I mean, Lynn has won every award under the
1: sun, but he's still got mm. to
0: win your approval. He's
1: still got something to aim for, <laughs> and that's a lovely thing. <laughs> oh, he has my approval. And Lynn if you're listening, um, can I can I be in one of your shows, please? <laughs> um, I met him very briefly backstage at whatever theatre was in, the Imperial. Um, because um he never used to come into the theater through the stage door because it was too busy, so he would come in through the front of our theater and go through a connecting door into his theater. so, I met oh, him very briefly once he won't remember who I was, but there was even one night where uh there's a piece in Limis where I mean this is quite a famous story where he sang the warnings, which is the bit where you at the barricade listen to this, no one is coming to help you to fight you're on your own that's all sung live it's sung off stage in the show. And he sang it because he's a huge fan of Limys, and you can see a lot of that reflected in his work. And he, I was there the night he sang it.
0: Wow! You know,
1: it's it just crazy. People like, whoa, yeah, you know, iconic moment. Um yeah. But he was terrible at it too, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, yeah, he just hadn't learnt it. But uh, but yeah, he's a legend.
0: Well, on a more on a more positive note, what do you think is the most romantic musical?
1: Hmm. Um, that's that's tricky. I mean, you should say there's a lot of big romantic musicals out there, but I do really have a soft spot for Carousel. Again, going yes, back yeah. to the old thing, I think it's got one of the best scores that has ever been written, not just by Rodgers and Hammerstein, but ever. Uh, and then next to that, probably West Side Story. Um, those two, I think, they're the top two for me. You know, and and the new film of West Side Story is, I think, it's a it's a brilliant piece. In fact, that could be one of the best musical theatre films out there, certainly in the last 25, 30 years. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with both of those. Yeah. And Car- Carousel,
0: obviously, it's a bit older. There are some slightly problematic elements. But did you see yeah. the Regent's Park production
1: last year? No, I didn't, unfortunately. But I do love that show. Um I was in a production of it many years ago, but you just have to do a bit of sensible nipping and tucking to get away with some of the slightly outdated aspects again other shows like showboat and south pacific you know they also have those issues that you have to skirt around somehow but i just think as as a piece of um uh as love story it's it's just lovely it's just absolutely lovely some great music i mean glorious music in it and the fact that you know love goes beyond the grave and things like that yes but then west side story i mean oh how they nailed they nailed that relationship in the film um, those two actors and, and Spielberg absolutely got it right. I thought it was great.
0: Completely agree. Um, which musical <laughs> have you not seen that you think you should? Like a popular show that's passed you by or something new that looks exciting to you?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, mean, this is, I, mean, I kind of answered this already. So there's Back to the Future I'd love to see. So I was a big fan of the film and I've heard lots of people say great things about it. Uh, and the other one would be Hamilton. I really ought to see it. You know, to either be proved yeah. right or proved wrong. You know,
0: it's a tricky one. I mean, Hamilton. I would of course recommend it. Everyone loves it. You should yeah. see yeah. it, but it is very expensive. Back to the Future. There are some yeah. cheaper seats. You can do the Today Tix lottery. There are some seats at the yeah. side, which are actually a good view, even though they're restricted view.
1: Well, I mean, I'm lucky enough to work in the industry and I know people in shows, so I can get access to slightly cheaper Back to the Future tickets. But it's almost impossible to get cheaper tickets for Hamilton, even now. I think I'll just have to wait.
0: Which musicals fictional world would you most like to live in?
1: This took me a little time to think about because I certainly don't want to live in um, poverty and limits. I don't want to live uh, underground in a, you know, in a lair underneath an opera house. <laughs> um, I, so I, I think what I'd love, I'd love superheroes, right? So right. I wouldn't mind living in the world of Spider-Man, turn off the dark.
0: I mean, it looks a little bit dangerous. <laughs>
1: Well, uh yeah, I mean, I saw the show. I saw the oh, show yeah. on Broadway. Uh yeah, it's certainly flawed, but um and Reeve Carney, who played Spider-Man, I thought was brilliant. And the guy who played the Green Goblin, whose name escapes me.
0: Uh Patrick Page.
1: Yeah, oh, so good. Um, I mean, obviously it was problematic in many ways, as as everybody knows, but uh but it's a superhero, you know. I would love I would love to be in a world where superheroes exist, you know, and that's probably why I choose that one.
0: No. It would not be boring, whatever else it was.
1: <laughs> oh, <No>, that's very <laughs> true. That's very true, even though the musical often was. <laughs>
0: oh, well. <laughs> yeah. If you were to direct a radical restaging of a classical musical, which one would you choose?
1: Oh, again, another difficult question. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind getting into directing, um, ultimately, you know, mm. when the looks score, <laughs> Ha-ha. Um, but two of my favourite shows... Uh, uh, into the Woods, and The Hired Man. Now, The Hired Man has never found the audience it deserves, I don't think. And I would love to see... I'm not familiar you know... with that one. Oh, right. The Hired Man was um, written by... Well, it's based on a, book, a trilogy of books by Melvin Bragg, and it tells okay. the story of a family in in um, Cumbria uh, mm-hmm. at the turn of the century and right through till World War Two uh, or nearly World War II. And the music's written by... Um, Howard Goodall, who wrote oh, wow. the music of Blackadder, right? Yes. And it's, I would say it's one of the greatest British musical scores ever written It's, it Again, it's problematic um, because th- the book doesn't quite work, it needs to be longer I would never say that of a musical normally, but um, the, his, his writing is steeped in the choral tradition uh, of British music, you know, you'd have some beautiful music in it, some moving, powerful music. um I would love to see a really exciting new staging of that because it it would have to be rewritten, and the other one into the woods um you know the Terry Gilliam one was brilliant, but there was some I took some issue with some of the decisions made in it. Nothing's perfect, right, but yeah. there were some superb ideas in that, um but I wouldn't mind you know coming up with a new way of telling that story now I hear a lot about this Oklahoma this Daniel Fish directed Oklahoma that's been at the Young Vic which I think is coming into the West End I've heard that's brilliant that really interesting reimagining of it I want to see that oh I loved it It it's very very good have you seen it? Yeah, they they yeah. use
0: technology in an interesting way. They redid the whole theater. A lot of the audience are are lit during the show, which is very interesting ah, in itself. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I think you'd love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to see it, but um, uh, Marisha Wallace, who was in it, but who's not in it now, she's going to do this immersive Guys and Dolls production. Uh, again, one of the greatest book musicals ever. I'm going to see that if I can get a chance, because um, I'd love to see what they've done with that. She was in it, and I nearly went to see it, but I couldn't quite get my together to do that and I'm gutted because she is like a phenomenal performer I would have mm. loved to have seen her in it but it's it's always nice to see you know shows or or even just songs done in a way you don't expect you know to yes. have you know I, I've talked about this on my podcast and um you know Anne Hathaway in Lim is a perfect example of that how a song you've heard a million times I've heard a million times anyway you know and see something it's it's exactly the same material, but told in such a fresh and exciting way. It's one of the best things about the Le Mis movie, I think. But yeah, I think either either Into the Woods or The Hyde Man. And um, the main question of this
0: podcast, if you were the mayor of musical theatre, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want?
1: Ah, no, then there's there are so many I could choose, right? Now, I've already touched on some of my favourite shows, but this this particular question, I think, is very clever in that what would you like to see again and again and again? It's not the last show on Earth. No, it's not that. No, but but that is something different again, isn't it? Because the concept of the last show on Earth is that hmm. it could be anything. You know, you could have, uh, you know, uh, you could have the show I'm going to choose for yours, so Jesus Christ Superstar, as your last show. But I would love to see the production of um, Jesus Christ Superstar that happened at Regent's Park a few years ago, and also the Gail Edwards-directed one that was at the Lyceum, I think. Uh, I'd like to see various versions of that. And the Japanese no-theatre production I saw, which toured into London back in the 90s uh, and played at the Dominion, Uh, that was extraordinary. I'd love to see all these different versions and (laughs) concert versions and everything, because Jesus Christ Superstar, for me, is one of those musicals, it doesn't... I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you like musicals or at all because everybody knows the story of Jesus but god that score it's it's everything it's been such a gateway to so many people into the world of musicals and whilst it's not my favorite show by any means it is a show I could sit through again and again and again so I'd probably choose that
0: I was lucky enough to see the Regent's Park production and it was pouring down with rain and it didn't Ah. matter because it's such a great, fun show.
1: Oh, yeah, and Tyrone Huntley. I mean, everyone talked about his performance, but, oh, God. and hes I I was lucky enough to work with him and he's just a force of nature, absolutely brilliant as Judas, and he didn't do anything, but there was an intensity there which was insane. So good, I loved it. But I I like a lot of Tim Sheeda's work anyway. Andrew McConey, who choreographed it because i worked with drew he did um a show i I did called the wild party and um that was a brilliant experience working with him uh but yeah i think ultimately i really could sit through jesus christ superstar again and again and again
0: well you've been absolutely wonderful guest today on the podcast thank you so much for joining us
1: very welcome
0: That was John Owen-Jones. A big thank you again to John for taking the time to share his favourite shows with us and give us such great insights into Bake Off, which opens at the end of this month at London's Noel Coward Theatre. The tickets are going fast, so definitely book now. You can find all the details at bakeoffthemusical.com. Remember to head over to musicaltheatreview.com for all the latest news, reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. If you have a moment and fancy getting involved, how about leaving us a five-star review? But instead of writing some boring stuff about the episode... Tell us about you. What show would you order Run Forever if you were the mayor of musical theatre? We will discuss your choices on a future podcast. You can also follow us on the socials at the handle at musicalmayorpod and do follow John too at at John Owen Jones. Check back for another episode next week. Thank you again for listening. You are my favourite. Bye.